You sending the whoop? Shit, that's all you had to say. Get away from her, you bitch. Banana. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. It's only an island if you look at it from the water. I'm your density. You think I'm gorgeous? You want to kiss? everyone and welcome to Sending the Wolf. My name is Clark Wolf. If you are joining me for the first time, thank you. It's nice to see you. Welcome and hello. And if you are returning, thanks for coming back. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, Danny Fernandez, um, comedian and host and all around lovely lady is my guest today. And we are talking about Beetlejuice, uh, Tim Burton's classic, um, which put a lot of people on the map. Um, it's fun if you kind of go back and take a look at everybody's credits before Beetlejuice and after Beetlejuice. But um, this is one of my favorites. Oftentimes people ask me, you know, they know that I'm a horror fan and they ask me, so when did you get into horror? How did you get into horror? And Beetlejuice and Tim Burton are often what I cite as my gateways, my gateways into genre, especially as a little kid, a little kid who is prone to being scared. Um, Beetlejuice and other such, you know, fantasy classics from the 80s were absolutely my entryway into what was a much darker path. Um but Beetlejuice is a really special movie. You know, Danny and I, Danny, of course, is a comedian, um, and I was really glad when she picked this one. And she and I talk throughout this conversation about horror comedy and what that means and, and how we classify it. And um, whether we're talking about Gremlins or American Werewolf in London, where does Beetlejuice sort of fall on that spectrum? Um, we also talk about, you know, the legacy of Tim Burton. And, you know, in a lot of ways, of course, Pee Wee was before Beetlejuice. But in a lot of ways, Beetlejuice sort of solidified that Tim Burton aesthetic that we all know so well. Um, and of course, with the rumors that will never end about a potential Beetlejuice 2, we sort of get into that and the idea of revisiting our favorite classics uh, decades later. Um, I love this film. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Um, if you want to support the show, please uh, rate, review, and and subscribe on your iTunes, um, uh, on your iTunes, on your podcast uh, app of choice. Um, and of course, there is a Patreon where you can go over to patreon.com slash Clark Wolf. Um, there are, you know, support levels that are on a monthly basis from $1 to $50. If you have any spare chains that you want to kick in uh, and support the show. And of course, we will be back on Thursday with our Patreon exclusive mini. But for now, here we are. It's Danny Fernandez talking about Beetlejuice. <laughs> Ready. We're doing it. Um, Danny Fernandez, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for, you guys can't see this, but my eyes have tons of broken blood vessels. They actually don't look, look as bad okay, as you. Look, I mean, though. yes. Now they look 28 days later. They do. They, now they're terrifying. I'm, I, so I got LASIK a week ago and it's common. It happens sometimes that you can get a lot of broken blood vessels from doing it as they are like cutting open your eyes. Yes. Um, so, but my friends have all let me know that that didn't happen to them. So now I feel like it was somehow my fault. It's not your fault. That I like, but my, I do want to say my doctor, I saw saw in the office that he did LeBron James. There's like Ooh. a picture of him and LeBron after surgery and him and Chris Paul. So I was like, if it's good enough for an NBA athlete, yes. it's good enough for me. Yes, I, I would cannot agree. wait. I cannot wait to go out and shoot hoops and see how much my stats have raised. Yeah, King James, <laughs> man, it's not messing around. He knows what's up. Oh yeah, I forgot. Are you from Ohio? I'm from Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. I don't know why I thought you're, when you called me, I thought you're... No, 404, it's the ATL. Oh, really? Yeah, because, you know, I'll, here's a fun story. Uh, 404 area code is like old school Atlanta. Yeah. It, like now it's all 678-770. I think there's actually a new one. Okay. Um, But 404 is like vintage mm -hmm. Atlanta. 
But I know everyone out here reps eight eight one eight. Yeah, eight one eight. I would I would have an eight one eight if I could get one, but I don't think you I one. registered the wrong address so that I could have a three one zero. Nice, nice. Everyone's like, "Why do you have this Beverly Hills?" Uh, I'm like, "Don't worry about it." Yeah, none of your business. They didn't. I they didn't check. None of your business. Don't ask me any questions. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't think so. Upon first glance, I actually didn't even notice your eyes until you pointed them out. And so, I really did. And I, but now that you did, they I see what you're talking about. Yeah, I've it's been, definitely there. I've been going out and like shopping and I feel bad for cashiers. I think like they don't necessarily want to look me in the eye slash or question it. Also, my, it looks a little bit like maybe I got in a fight. Yeah. Because of all the broken blood vessels. Yeah. So anyways, that's uh, what Clark is looking at right now. I'm looking at a beautiful young lady and Thank another you. beautiful young doggy lady. And yes. I'm in great company. I'm actually in the middle of a beautiful lady sandwich. Right yeah, now. you are. So, and you get to be here with all of my nerd artwork. I love it. Uh, it's a, yes, thank you for letting me come of, over and for recording in your lovely home. I just like showing this off so much. <laughs> well, so I want to ask you, because um, you picked to talk about today, you picked Beetlejuice. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was, so I've seen this movie a thousand times. Um, I don't know how, how many, is this the one that I you haven't seen it as the second one that we're going to talk about, I've seen a billion times. But this one, I actually, I think I saw the animated series first. Whoa, okay. Okay. Well, because I was the year the year Beetlejuice I was born the year Beetlejuice came out uh -huh. um, and then I don't know it's a little bit on the cusp you know uh -huh. what I mean where it's going to take you a couple of years I don't it's kind of more of an adult hor horror comedy I've heard a lot of people arguing about what they classify it as I yeah. kind of classify it as a horror comedy yeah to me what do you what do well, you classify I it as I actually have that written down as a question I wanted to ask you about because I am of the opinion that there are horror comedies and then there are comedies that have horror elements elements. Oh. Um, so for instance, American Werewolf in London, right. I think is a horror, horror movie. Yeah. Horror. That, that yeah. A horror comedy, comedy. Comedic elements. That's yeah. right. Yes. And so, so I would classify American Werewolf in London as a horror comedy with Beetlejuice. Um, I think that it is a dark, I think it's a com it's I think it's a comedy first and then it ha mm, it's hard but if I, we were splitting it up I would say it's like 60/40 or 55/45 yeah, yeah. but I do think it leans more on the comedy, comedy side for sure yeah um but it's hard because horror and I, I talk about this all the time but the term horror has such connotations right. it's and it's such a big term that it's like it's hard to it's hard to classify but what do you think so you think it's a horror movie horror comedy yeah <laughs> yeah I do. I think there are so many scenes that are terrifying and maybe it is because I didn't end up seeing it until I was like maybe six or seven uh -huh. or something, you know, something that was on while my parents were watching that I probably shouldn't have seen all uh -huh. those. I was also someone that was afraid of Ursula when I was little. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she is kind of terrifying. I think I remember I like hid the VHS tape under the couch so that nobody could watch <laughs> it because she terrified me so much. But um, yeah, so maybe it could also be when you watched it. Yeah. There are so many scenes in here that I would classify as being terrifying. Yeah, there are a couple, yes. Yeah, yes. so, and specifically uh, when they make their faces, when they're in their... Um, that I think in Juno's office. Yes, and in she, Juno's and office. She's like, okay, you gotta get scary. Dude, that will live with you. It's horrifying. For years. Oh yeah. 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 Of course. Although I will say, um, and this is just my own morbid sensibilities, but uh, speaking of cons earlier, I love when I see families cosplaying oh, yes. as Beetlejuice characters. Yes. And like the mom and the dad are uh -huh. Adam and Barbara, and then the little baby is Beetlejuice, and yes. I see, and there's a little girl who's Winona. As, I know. It's so, so cute. cute. I love yes, it. Yes, I love that. I. I, I love when families get involved. But it even, is horrifying. It's terrifying. And I think, I do understand though that Tim Burton kind of had it be in this over the top type of way. I mean, he did just come off from doing um, Pee Wee. So it is comedic and it is kind of a horror in a way that you can laugh at it. But I would say there are scary elements of oh, it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the uh, you know, I think I, want, I need to like try and suss this out a little bit because um, it, it's like, it, this movie th makes me think of like, it's like Halloween scary, like meaning the holiday, uh -huh. right? So it's like all, it's like a combination of all 
all the scary pop culture things that you can think of. Death and ghosts and like monsters and all of it kind of wrapped into one. It's a very fan. It's like a fan. It's very fantastically scary. Exactly. Um, And uh, and but yes, I agree with you. The the seance scene Mm -hmm. um, at the end where they where Otho basically brings them. Like, I think that's straight that's straight horror. That's, yeah. that's really scary. And kind of stuff. terrifying because they are dying, yes. you know, withering in front of you. So I think if you are, I mean, I kind of just base things off of, um, like with adult themes, I think that that would be terrifying for a young person. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So you brought up something really interesting that I love talking about. Um, because I, so people often ask me when, about when did you get into horror? When did you get into scary movies? Um, and I was a scared kid too. Like I was easily very scared. Yeah. Um, but Tim Burton, I always I cite Tim Burton mm-hmm. as my gateway. Yeah. And I Beetlejuice think he was, was like, a huge part of that mm-hmm. um, and there were there were definitely scenes that always creeped me out but I wonder if because it was so um, tangible like and it was right. and it was like it was like creatures so and they weren't I don't know I can't quite put my finger on why as a kid this one didn't scare me oh, as much what did scare you oh like um what scared me when I was well? I saw the uh, mini se- the it mini series when I was a oh, kid, God. and that like terrified me. Uh, like scared yeah. me for liter- no exaggeration, literally a year. Yeah. I couldn't sleep. That would scare my very Catholic mother of me like taking off, you know. And uh, yes. she always thought I was going to be kidnapped at all times, which good for her because I, you know, lived. Um, <laughs> I survived all these years, but yeah, yeah, that stuff one like really kidnapping. Anything, anything that has to do with kids. You know, you know what else? Re- well, this one has to do with kids. Uh, the witches. Um, so Nicholas uh, Roegs, I think I'm saying that right. Uh, Rogue Rogue. Um, his movie that was the adaptation of the Road Dahl novel. Oh. Um, and Angelica Houston mm-hmm. is the Grand High Witch, and it is. It's about a little boy, and like his parents die in the first ten minutes of the movie, yeah. and his grandmother takes him on this holiday, and uh, they happen to be staying at a hotel with a convention of witches. But Angelica Houston takes her face off. Oh, yeah. And turns into the Grand High Witch. And I always say that as far as I was concerned, like five-year-old Clark thought The Witches was a short film (laughs) that ended with a lady taking her face off and being terrifying. Um, And then it took my babysitter and I had this amazing babysitter who I'm still friends with to this day. She was an incredible artist and she was so cool and she was sweet and she was just like a big kid. And she is the one who got me into all of the fantasy of the 80s. Oh, Um, yeah. we're about the same age yeah, and so it yeah. was like um it was never ending story and mm-hmm. labyrinth and willow and um well, okay so i have a question things. where do you classify gremlins then gremlins you know what's funny about so i think the gremlins is a horror comedy okay I think it's a horror. But you don't comedy. think this is a horror comedy? I think, yeah. Is that weird? <laughs> yeah. Well, well that's kind of, I, yeah. I think because you're not the only one, but that's what I say whenever people are like, "Well, this is a horror comedy, but this isn't a horror comedy." It's and you know, it's all so subjective. Right, 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 right. Um, but uh, Gremlins is one for me that has a, a bit of a mean streak. And okay. so it's a little You're bit right. of, like it's a harder yes. movie, you know? Yeah. You know what? Actually, I was trying to think of the death counts in Beetlejuice. And I think technically, and people could probably, you know, fight me about this, but I think technically there's two. I mean, aside from the beginning with uh, Gina Davis and uh, Alec Baldwin, but um, I think the two was the agents that they sent that he sent through the roof. Yes, if you if and if, if you count them, if they I don't died, know if, if they died, died right. we don't really know. Yeah. But that's like sometimes I see movies like that. I go back and I'm like, wait, those people, those people are dead. Yeah, <laughs> you know? in real life, they would be dead. <laughs> they would definitely be dead. But um, I think, yeah, I think the body. So count, I get what you're saying about gremlin. Yeah, I think a body count or actual deaths and stuff might. Yeah, yeah, but Gremlins and Gremlins is one that um, I didn't ever. Uh, I didn't ever get into as a kid. I had never seen Gremlins for the first time until I was well into my 20s. That was just one yeah, that same. like totally yeah. missed, it missed me. And I think it's because you have people, like who show, okay, so your parents were watching it. That's mm-hmm. the first time that you they saw it? They also watched Terminator and I saw that, like I saw a lot of things and True Lies, which mm-hmm. I had to cover my eyes through some of. Yeah, my parents were the type of people that they would play 
R-rated movies and I could be around, but I had to cover my eyes for uh-huh. parts of it. It's funny because I can't believe that this is the, gosh, I think it's the eight or ninth episode I've recorded. And uh, it's never come up before. The idea of an influencer or someone like an older cousin or a big sister, yeah. a big brother or babysitter who shows you these things that have this long lasting impact for sure on you. And did you have anybody like that? Um, I have, my older brother wasn't that much older than me. I also had a babysitter that was an artist. So that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. I remember she drew us the Ninja Turtles, which I think my brother still has. Um, but I would say, yeah, my family was, my family's super religious. So it's really funny because they were, they're the type of religious where it's like, don't do that. But also like, you can kind of look at this video, Uh you know, just cover your eyes when Uh the boobs are out. Um, (laughs) that type of thing. So, um, Also, I have to say, because my family is so religious, the religious-based films, like The Exorcist, was not allowed to see until I was in college. I was out of the house. Like, you better not play that. You better not even speak that word in my Catholic family's home. And I've talked to other... other, other Catholics and they're like, yeah, that film, it's so ingrained in you that you're not allowed to watch it. You better not bring a Ouija board in the house. Like so many things. My family is very superstitious and, um, and yeah, so it's interesting. The religious ones really scared me. Did, um, when you finally saw the exorcist, were you, were you like, eh, whatever, or did it scare you or did, what was your reaction? I respect it as being terrifying. Yeah. I think it still holds up. I, I think too. it's extremely terrifying. I unfortunately didn't see it when I was younger, like a lot of other people where I think that that lived with them. Yes. You know, where they see it in a way that it's like, oh no, I'm not going to watch that film again. For me, that film was the ring. The ring came out uh-huh. when I was in high school and I had never seen anything like it. Um, and so it just, Oh, it just messed with you. The kind of found footage ish, uh, film, you know, the, the VHS tape, the, her coming out of there, um, even not really being able to see her face, like the, the black hair, all of it. I hadn't seen really before. Uh Um, and, and, uh, I also had gotten, this was back when we had, um, disposable cameras that people used. Uh I had gone out with my girlfriends, like to the fair or something the week before, got my film developed. And for some reason, the white, my very white tennis shoes, the reflection had smoothed my face my mom thought it was the funniest thing that in all my pictures my face was smeared after I saw this film I had like a breakdown as like a teenage Danny had a breakdown about it I think I burned them but um (laughs) the ring and then scream Uh scream is the is the trilogy that I grew up with Uh um and so that that to me had really Oh, that first scene with Drew Barrymore. Yeah, it's really goes, iconic. It's very, it's iconic. It is iconic. And it's, it's, Wes was not fucking around yeah. with that movie. Like he, he, you know, I get into this with horror nerds all the time because they always want to be like, oh, well, you know, they, they, they don't want to let Scream be his it's best great. film. It's but great. I do think like objectively because the screenplay, Kevin Williamson's screenplay is so tight and so solid mm-hmm. and Wes being a full, formed director who knew what he was doing yeah like that combination is just it's like it's it so is, good it is funny when you look back and you're like that wouldn't happen now because we don't answer our phones and like you know what I mean and like who's called like you know yes it, that's funny because a couple we don't of, have landlines yes that's <laughs> a couple of years ago I saw a screening of Scream I want to say it was only like two years ago um but I you're right like that was one of the only things that stood out to me was was they that as like okay this doesn't quite hold up I feel like the rest of the movie is really solid and does but them freaking out about the cell phone and the police officer calling the phone a cellular oh yeah where'd you get that (laughs) cellular what are you doing with this cellular son is like i mean hilarious to me but aside from that it's like it's still pretty tight but yeah it's so 90s i love it yeah it it is very 90s it's yeah um decked out in 90s well so okay out of all the movies that you could have chosen Uh um you chose beetlejuice and i was really surprised really i mean not not shocked i wasn't shocked of course but i was just like oh what a good choice but what an interesting venn diagram okay is horror or creepy thriller type um also animation 
um, and then comedy. And so Michael Keaton, even though it's called Beetlejuice and he's only in it for yeah. like 17 minutes, yeah. he has one of the most iconic entrances. That like first scene of him when he is first introduced as Beetlejuice is still so hilarious. Yeah. You know, and people forget that he was a stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. He's a regular at the comedy store. Like he, you know, was was pretty entrenched in comedy. This was before he was Batman. So yep. it was really interesting seeing how much he could make himself into this character. Character, yeah, and then be this like suave, attractive dude. I find him attractive. I, I find but, him very attractive. Yeah. But I, you know, I love that you bring that up because when I was, re I, I have seen this movie a million times um, because I grew up with it and I watch it all and I've seen it a million, I watch it a million times. Um, but uh, he is so big yes. in this movie. Like the perform, like watching Keaton He's so big, and yet he never feels too big. Forced, yes, or yeah. forced, mm -hmm. and I and I think that's really really hard to do. Like right. when you're doing that type of comedy, because the other type of comedy in the like I wrote down a line, um, these two lines that made me laugh so hard. Um, when Delia, or I'm sorry, um, yeah, Delia is fixing dinner and talking to Lydia, and she says, "Everyone has been in Vanity Fair except you," <laughs> and <laughs> like, that's a great line. Yeah, and then when Charles is giving his toast at the and he says, may your buildings go condo. Yes, I so love that. It's like, this is the type of, there's there's so many, there's two very different types of humor on display mm -hmm. in this movie. There's that, you know, we're making fun of, we're poking fun of the yuppies mm -hmm. and like, and that 80s commercial, um, materialistic culture. Right. And that art deco, like her sculptures and all of it, just like having a really good time with that. So it's a bit satirical. Um, but then you have this Michael Keaton as broad, like telling jokes yeah. and like larger than life. And that's a really hard combination to make work in the same movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he I think he's so, Catherine O'Hara too, though. Yes. Have you watched Schitt's Creek? No. Oh, you have to. I, it was one of those things where like I kept seeing billboards yep. of it and I'm like, I got it. You want me to watch your show? God, like, you know, even though Eugene Levy is on it, I do love them together. It was just like, oh, another show. I got sick like last year, sat down, watched the entire series. I watched it. I think they're on season four is coming up. I, I watched it twice wow. all the way through. It is so good. If you love Catherine O'Hara in this, she's even more over the top in that. Same type of thing where it's like, she, uh, so they're essentially a, a millionaire family that loses everything and has to move to a small town. Mm -hmm. If you are a comedy writer, just someone that appreciates comedy writing, it is such perfect, just easy, simple escapism. Um, I really, truly love it. And also that you're kind of like, you're rooting for these people, but also kind of not. She is so great in it. And getting to see her in this, it's like, oh my gosh, she's always been so yes, great. She yeah. has. She really, really has. Well, the cast itself is is fabulous. And I'm really glad that you brought up Keaton um, being mostly known for comedy because I think people forget, forget that. that about and, him. And Especially that, now. Yeah. yeah. And, and because, you know, and that that's the whole lore behind casting him as Batman and having that be so controversial right. is because, you know, the, the the world at large goes, wait, the funny guy, like Mr. Mom is going to be Batman. Right, right. And it's funny because when we think about like all of these, you know, especially now that we have the internet and we have access to everyone's opinion at all times, um, it it's nothing new. Like this uproar over casting these superheroes started, you know, yeah. like Keaton was, was very controversial. But, um, um, like Alec Baldwin at that point, honestly, I looked him up. Lots of TV, TV shows, TV movies, a movie called Forever Lulu, a feature like <laughs> theatrical, and then Beetlejuice. Like, yeah. and Alec Baldwin was a huge, became a huge, huge movie yeah. star, right? And sex symbol, yeah. And like, and it's funny because now a generation knows him as Jack Donaghy, right? Right? But, right? But he was, yeah. Like, this was one of the first big things for him. Well, and for it's really interesting interesting because I was reading uh, about the casting of Beetlejuice and Keaton immediately was down. Uh, Gina Davis also immediately yep. down. 
Uh, Tim Burton had to fly out to convince Catherine O'Hara. A lot of people, Winona Ryder, I think, signed on after, I forgot what movie he had seen her in, but essentially a lot of women had turned, a lot of young women had yes. turned down that role. Yes. It's really interesting because this script that was kind of circulating for a while and also used to be really dark. Yeah. Uh, the original Beetlejuice script was pretty dark. Uh, so it, I don't even think people would classify it as a comedy. I think they had to add jokes into it. It was much more about death yeah um and a lot of kind of problematic things that happened in it but um i think when people saw it they were like this is weird why would you do this which now watching it is like why wouldn't you jump on this but you know what's funny it, it's like I, I i wrote down on like one of the biggest things i wrote down was this movie is so weird. It is weird. This is a yeah. weird, and and I understand, like forgetting, because I had seen that that bit of information too, that it was like a straight horror movie and it was really like dark, dark. And, and, <laughs> and fucked up originally. But you know, when you when you think about how incredibly original yeah. this movie is, like, I mean, just just creating this world in such a way and knowing that this is not story by Tim Burton this is not you know he obviously his aesthetic is all, all over, over it. it yeah um but but this is something completely original out of out of a couple of writers minds that is yeah. fascinating to me and I do understand like a bit of a hesitation because like you said I mean the the biggest the feature that he had before this was peewee Pee yeah and, and then um and but then that is weird it is weird it's totally weird so but it's like weird do you want to Pee is weird in a way that it doesn't have horror behind it you know yeah so it's kind of interesting watching peewee is so you could take it in so many different ways where for me it was kind of also terrifying there are scenes in there that are scary as well oh yeah large but march. yes large march um but uh yeah that is also weird i love that uh tim burton is such a weird like i imagine that this is him in movie form you know yeah you know in a lot of ways so many elements of him the dark and the comedy yeah and i i want to actually bring that up because this is um that's actually this is a great transition that this is um, so i i said i wrote down i don't want to go here like I'm watching this movie and I'm like I don't want to go to this place I, I every time I watch Beetlejuice oh, yeah. I'm like I don't want I would never want to go there right but and I also noticed this time around that it doesn't feel like real life this feels mm -hmm. very hyper like it doesn't it's it's the characters are very real and so I feel like it's you yeah. can relate it's relatable right. but this environment and circumstance feels so and obviously I'm not I know that you know it's the afterlife and you're literally going into another world but I'm talking about the stuff that's supposed to be taking place in quote unquote real life yeah that it doesn't feel like Connecticut yeah it doesn't exactly <laughs> it doesn't feel like anywhere and, yeah. and I was thinking about it and for me I think the only I was like, does any of Tim Burton's work feel like real life? And then I think for me, the, the thing that feels the most real um, is Ed Wood. Oh, okay. That's that's mine. Yeah. But yeah. do you? What do you think? I could see Edward Scissor. <laughs> really? Because it's so it's so big, though. Yeah, but I mean. Yes, I do think parts of it are are grounded um, with his interactions with other people. So, but yeah, I mean, this I agree that this feels like a limbo, and maybe it's supposed to feel like that because they literally are yes. in limbo. Yeah, they literally are in limbo. So maybe that's why it, it has this feeling to it, even with uh, the death yeah. of Barbara and Adam. Like that original part is like, did that happen? Did right. that not happen? Right. You know, um, maybe one of them wakes up and this was all a dream, but, uh, which Beetlejuice too, you guys, I don't know if that's, <laughs> okay. I, that's, that's another going to happen. That's another one of my big questions. Um, Beetlejuice too. We're recording this in January of 2018 and allegedly this movie is potentially going to happen. Um, and I mean, if, uh, how do you, what, I, I, what do you think? Do you want it to happen? Should it happen? Um, if it should, it should be with the original cast. And by that, I mean, Michael Keaton has to be Beetlejuice or why would you do this? Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I mean, that's how I feel about it. Plus the guy didn't really get a lot of screen time. Right. So I feel like in the second one, especially him being Michael Keaton now, which he was back then, but mm -hmm. now it's like, oh my God, you have such a, a long list of films that you've done. Um, I think that it would be nice to, you know, another thing that I feel like Tim Burton would do well is 
actually playing in that world that he's in, which they played a little bit in of the other world, mm. but actually being in there, I feel like is something he could do. Um, I know the script that they were working on and had finished was like Beetlejuice in Hawaii. Uh, it's yeah. not my place to say anything, but I wouldn't necessarily go with that route. Yeah. Um, I would just scrap that. But when, when this conversation of Beetlejuice 2 gets brought up, uh, people always bring up that script that they did actually work on, which was Beetlejuice in Hawaii. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that would definitely be a hundred times more, I think, opportunity to be comedic that it's like mm-hmm. a vacation type of, you know, uh, film. But yeah, I think that he could, I think, I think that they could do it. I honestly, given the way that things are going with remakes and sequels, I think that they probably will end up doing it, but I hope that Michael Keaton is involved. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Winona Ryder, it would be nice. It would be interesting actually. Like maybe it's her kids now, or maybe it's her, you know, now that she's older, um, that, that could be, cool too yeah i don't know i, I didn't sell you i, I yeah <laughs> well to be fair like no nobody honestly has sold me on it and i've really thought about it because i'm i'm honestly not anti um the concept of like re reinvigorating franchises or yeah. like or or you know it, revisiting things i think that that's not necessarily a bad thing but there's just something about you know and the tim burton of it all is hesitant is a hesitation for me because okay. he has become so powerful mm-hmm. uh-huh. in the industry um everything is so big and everything is so glossy looking even like it's like weird you mean you don't want johnny depp as beetlejuice (laughs) no definitely not but i mean like and and look i'm actually i'm a big tim burton fan and i do think that he is doing some interesting stuff every now and again i ended up enjoying peregrine um i thought miss peregrine i thought you know at first i wasn't on board but then ultimately it won me over but there's this is peak tim burton there yeah that's the thing is peak his decade because he had peewee he had this he had batman he had uh edward scissorhands he had um uh nightmare before christmas he had um i didn't realize that he was on james and giant peach yeah yeah yeah. but like stuff like that where it's just like this is so peak creative tim burton that i love it so much and i think that's the thing that i like so much about it is that it's so scrappy this this is a like it's a small movie but it's it's so unique and it doesn't feel like it's trying to do or be anything other than exactly what it is and i think that's we tim burton has become a brand and become an aesthetic and so it's like i don't want to see him if it, if the passion and excitement truly isn't there from a creative point of view, oh yeah, then I don't I don't want to see these people like putting on their old costumes thirty years later and mm-hmm. like goofing around or or not even goofing <laughs> around, honestly cashing a check. I see what you mean. You know, yeah. So I don't, I know. don't feel like they would let personally just uh, personally as someone who knows Michael Keaton. Uh, no, I uh, but I don't think that he would do that. I don't think I Keaton don't think would. he would allow for that. I think if he got a script and he he felt like it was just cashing in that he wouldn't want to bastardize this right you know iconic film which i guess no one thought was going to be iconic but um uh when they passed up on it so many times but uh yeah i don't think that he who would be the title character i don't think that he would allow that yeah yeah but i don't know i hope not because i don't like I, I just don't. I, I, it's such a. It's not even that I. And it's not even about being precious about it. It's just about. Yeah, there's so few things. But it is kind of a preciousness to it because it's like, why would you mess with perfection? If you're going to make another one, you better make it as good as. That's my main thing. We're not asking for better. A lot of us are nostalgic. It's like, oh, I just want another. I want more of my favorite character, which I get. Um, I never expect them to be better, but I expect them to be just as good as. Mm -hmm. If they're worse, then it's like, oh, you know, you tarnish this thing and then it does feel like you cashed in on it. But but if you're going to make something, make it creative. I see there's no reason not to. We have so much other stuff going on yeah. right now where I feel like if they wanted to and it seems like a lot of the cast is on board. Yeah. They seem pretty positive and happy about it. I imagine that this launched a lot of careers for people. Uh, so whenever they were interviewing some of the original cast, it seemed like everybody was on board. Yeah. Uh, I imagine, though, if it's like, oh, it's not Michael Keane, it's going to be, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal or something, which he's great. But I just I don't think that people would 
sign on the same way. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, ultimately, it's it's a studio decision, so they can like do whatever they want with it. Um, but you know, it it remains to be seen. It'll be interesting. Um, the last thing about Beetlejuice that I wanted to talk about was um, actually the ending, um, because I I love. So this is a movie that I don't think pulls its punches. I think it is um, okay with making fun of what it's making fun of and scaring the people that it's going to scare. And, um, you know, uh, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin as the straight men are so good. Like, they're such foils, um, great foils for the Dietzes and for Beetlejuice. But this end sequence and we talked about it a little bit earlier but the, it starts with the seance yeah where um well actually it starts with them opening their you know that's like the little the thing that comes right before is that moment where they open up their faces right, and they right, like right. mess it all up but it, the seance where Otho calls them they die and then Lydia essentially has to make the bargain with Beetlejuice oh yeah and and it is I think it is like the perfect because the, the, a lot of these movies especially when you're a kid at least for me, um, getting into the movie is the fun part. Like mm-hmm. the beginning is the fun part and you're introduced to the characters in the world. But then by the end of it, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm like, I'm a kid and I'm a little bored. But this ending is like, it's the scariest part of the movie or one of the scariest uh-huh. parts. And also it has a really like, I don't know. I think it has a really sweet ending where ultimately they all sort of, it has a sweet it works ending, out. Yeah. but it has a dark ending at the same time because the Maitlands are still dead right? and they still can't leave. Yeah. And Delia is still, or um, Lydia is still um, an awkward teenage girl Yeah, and her parents are still crazy. And yet they all find this happy family that yeah. they can coexist and live together. And then the end, the energy that it ends with, with her well, getting yes. to fly yeah. is like Harry so Belly great. Harry always great. Yeah, yeah, it is. I like how they, ended it like that i do also like the cutaway to beetlejuice yes like i love course. him it's perfect you know continuing to in, get get what's coming to him but not so much so where it's like oh you know where he's suffering and we're we're you know upset about something that happens to him but kind of just getting what he deserves you know so so yeah i do love that and also leaves it open for him to come back mm-hmm see yeah clark they left it open for oh, him I, to <laughs> I'm, I'm aware i'm aware of what they did you can't hey listen we love beetlejuice we we love to hate it like we but, love but, the but i do want to say in the original script though that that wasn't the case that it was much darker right and i think he was killed off i'd have to check but i i mean like not killed off killed off but i think something bad did happen to him in the original sure. script where they ended up changing it so that it was more something you know more likable uh yeah. yeah. Well, he's a, he's such a, he's an archetype. He's a, he, he, Beetlejuice is an archetype, right? He's Loki. He's God of mischief. He's yeah. God of trouble, like whatever. That's, that's, it's the same old thing, essentially just repurposed in a Tim Burton package. So ultimately like you never want to really see the, the lovable mischief maker like in trouble, but you like kind of want him to get his yeah. come up, comeuppance, but you also want him to keep being a trickster. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was surprised, honestly, when I look back at it, that they didn't. This is kind of crazy. I was surprised they didn't kill off Lydia's parents. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't remember if they did in the original script. No, they moved away. They actually moved away from her in the and left her there with Barbara and Adam in the original script, which they changed to have them all living together in a very dysfunctional family. But I was kind of surprised um, that something didn't happen to them just because they were so... You know, like they seem like the type of person in an 80s or 90s film that would have like a big shoe come and squish them or something, right. you know? Yes. Um, like uh, the ants, I think, in James and Giant Peach or whatever happened to them, but something like that. Uh, yeah. So so I was surprised by that. But yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun film. I don't know exactly what age you would show this to someone. Uh, I almost feel like it's the same thing. It's one of those films that's just like on and you see it. Uh huh. So maybe, I mean, I feel like when I was a little kid, scared little me had a Beetlejuice doll that's head spun around. But did you watch the animated series? You know, I was on ABC and Fox. Yeah. It was so popular. It was really popular. Um, I, I did watch it kind of, but I never honestly like even 
little baby Clark was a stinker and was like, this isn't the movie, so why am I wasting my time? (laughs) Yeah, like I would have it on in the background. We were so different. But I remember being like, I remember being like, this isn't scary. This is like, what is this? I don't get this. Even as like a six or seven year old, what is this? Um, But but it was, it was incredibly popular. And it's it's kind of amazing too, when you think about the idea, because this happened with Freddy Krueger too. The idea that these... um, iconic villains become Saturday morning cartoon eyes. Like Beetlejuice in this movie is Is not kid appropriate. No, he's not. Especially with the hookers. (laughs) Right. The hookers and like trying to take a child bride. Yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. Um, And, but, but it's just, it just goes to show like the power of the marketing, the power of the marketing world. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I had, that's like with Terminator (laughs) who didn't have a Terminator action figure. And yet I don't know if you're supposed to be watching that film when you're five sure you know that's questionable um do you have a favorite scene in Beetlejuice oh I mean the I think the most iconic one that I feel like you know I wouldn't be true to myself is the um the one the dance the yeah. Deo yeah uh dinner scene also those creepy hands that come out yeah like, it's just the whole thing it's just I think that's uh the I mean I personally feel like that's the most iconic scene from Beetlejuice mm-hmm. that when people think of For it sure. or when they hear that song yes oh definitely people think of that scene so yeah I think that's so playful and fun and uh uh, I really liked that. I do like those elements that that stayed in it. And isn't it funny how? Yeah, I agree. Um, it's uh, it's it's uh, I the it's such a, a another weird thing. Calypso music, like where if these these goofy, boring hardware store owning people that live in Connecticut are obsessed with calypso music. Yeah. Like, what is that? Who is the writer that comes? I mean, I read on you know you can Google a little bit of trivia and they can. I forget who it says Catherine O'Hara maybe like lobbied for it or I. Oh, really? I don't know who (laughs) takes credit for the Calypso music, but it's just such a weird, like this movie makes no sense. It's so weird. I do have to tell you not to like go back to Schitt's Creek, but she plays another artist who's like so into her art and it's just so neat to see her getting to be this person again. Um, Just even more over the top where I love it so much. But yeah, that and her sculptures and just... All of it, all of it. Um, That's, by the way, speaking of, like, seriously, that Deo scene is a scene that shouldn't work. Yeah, you know for sure. It, because like, yeah. on paper, if, yeah. you, if somebody was like, okay, let me pitch this to you. <laughs> also, like, watching it, they clearly choreographed yes, it. Like, they, got, they had their dance moves down. They were, like, hitting the same note together. And they're so, like, I love how they're, they're even making fun of these like yuppie like uh-huh. goofy people also even like in the drabness that. yeah of them yeah they're making fun yeah. of each other and, and it's like the movie the movie is definitely has something to say about or to these like elite new york because it's clear like it's very much East taking Coast, on yeah that's right that's <laughs> right like art deco you know yuppies um but yeah that scene is just like it's so bizarre beetlejuice the character is so big it shouldn't work that is a scene that should not work it is so ridiculous and yet it just totally does i think a lot of people thought this film wasn't gonna work um okay so everybody gets to add a movie to the list that doesn't already isn't already on there so what is your choice okay i thought about this a lot i hope it's okay if we keep talking about this genre because um i will say i almost added um jim carrey jim carrey films which i found shocking Another one, not on the quotes list. Yep. Hardly any Jim Carrey movies. Uh-huh. I really think that he is so, if you look at 90s Jim Carrey, unbeatable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Unbeatable. Like, he is such a comedic genius. I know a lot of people disagree with, with stuff that he's doing now, but if you look at peak 90s Jim Carrey, a lot of those films should at least be included if not one of them you know but so I almost went with that and the one that I watched the most I would say is the map my brothers and I watched the mask a lot the mask is just so same thing where it was like adult adult comedy but turned into an animated series Mm -hmm. uh was very marketed toys were marketed towards kids and Loki got mischief mischief but same likable even though he stuck these pipes up these two dudes now when you watch it when you're older you're like what um but 
uh, I decided to stay. So I just wanted to have my Jim Carrey beef that I feel like his quotes, at least, you know, some, I, I don't know. But yeah, he is iconic comedy, 90s comedy. And I feel like there's a lot of older comedies on there. Yeah, of course. But not, and I don't know if we just don't um, revere them the same way mm -hmm. because they're, a lot of these actors are still alive. We still know them. Like maybe we just don't treat current uh, or nineties and on comedies the same way that we do as older comedies. But I mean, some it's, of those are peak dumb and dumber. I mean, I get like, that would be weird to have on there, yeah. you know, but still it's just, well, or the mask or liar, liar, or like, it's part of the reason why I'm doing it this this show this way yeah. is because I want people to like it's very obvious that the people who make these lists are older. Yeah. They're probably I that they dudes. See yeah, they think it's lo it's low ball comedy. That's right. Yeah. And I think but you're right. And I it's funny that you bring up Jim Carrey before we get to what you're actually going to yeah. ask because um <laughs> that and I just wanted to point No, no, out. I'm glad you did because uh the episode so we're recording on the day that the episode with John Roca went up and we spent a lot of time talking about Jim Carrey. Oh, did you? And um, because he picked Eternal Sunshine. Oh, um, I think that is on there, right? It's not. Oh, no, God. no, no, no. It's, yeah, see, yeah. That, they've, they've done this man wrong. I know, they've I agree. They've done this man wrong. He, he has done so much for, like... Uh, anyways, yeah, especially if you're having Beetlejuice, which I love, but if you compare this as a comedy, mm. because that was, is that what it was on? Yeah, it's on the I, laughs It's list. on the laughs. Mm -hmm. If you're comparing the laughs in this, I can guarantee you that there's more laughs in a lot of those Jim Carrey films. Sure. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And also just, you know, a lot of them, um, maybe not, I love Ace Ventura, but, you know, if you're looking at some of the other ones where he plays a dad or he plays, you know, a lot of those aren't as forced, you know, I... I've, Anyways, that's my gripe. Liar, yes. liar would be my. Liar, if, liar I, if I is had so to great. add one, like the mask is probably the mask and liar, liar are my. But two. also the animation in the mask. Oh, that it's, it's the costume. Does it like that's crazy? I that, think. Look, I agree with you. I think the mask is if for I could, that time. If for any time, honestly, yeah. if I could make a movie, it would be. It wouldn't be the mask, but it would be in the style of it. Mm -hmm. That old school throwback. Yes. I love that it's a throwback to like the the you know the 40s and right and the zoot suits, the zoot suits and like yeah. it feels like a comic book which it is it's based on um but it's classy and it's and it's safe but it's also dark and weird it is dark and yeah, uh, yeah so i'm with you i love that film i think it's a great i think it's a truly a, a great movie and not, it's not just nostalgia or our ages i think right. it's i just think it's a fun great comedy yeah yeah, but that was, uh, I was surprised. I So I almost went with that. I, my brothers and I used to watch The Mask. Like, oh, we'd quote it so much. And Ace Ventura. Um, the one that I picked, though, yes. because I, honest to God, feel like I should write these people, is The Nightmare Before Christmas is not on any list. Mm. And, and, and that, to me... I couldn't like spill this beforehand. That is my favorite Tim Burton film. Okay. Even though he didn't direct it. Right. But it's Tim Burton's uh -huh. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. I have spoken to people since being in this industry who don't respect it the same way that I, I'm like, how did you not grow up with this film? I've actually talked to people like, yeah, it's okay. What? I, I don't Roger love it Ebert, either. I think even said that the animation in it, he equated like the, the technology and stuff at the time or, or the care that they put into it, he equated to Star Wars with it being so, and again, I'm not saying the characters and all that stuff. I'm saying like the care that was placed into it. Yep. Um, at the time, you know, yeah, of course we had claymation films. We had the old claymation Christmas films and things like that. But I had not, there was not a movie like this that was out, mm -hmm. you know? And um, yes, I mean, it just, oh, it's so... So uh, the is, music of it is iconic. Uh -huh. The music, um, the soundtrack, the you know the score, and and um, again we have Danny Elfman, we have Catherine O'Hara, we have um, Tim Burton all over it. But I just I feel like it doesn't get the credit it deserves as a you know when people talk about iconic Disney films, it's always Beauty and the Beast because that's Academy Award winning mm -hmm. and and um, you know Aladdin and and now they talk a lot about Pixar and I don't think people necessarily aside from the fact that every year di uh, Haunted Mansion changes yeah. over into it. Um, I just don't think it gets the credit it deserves for how creative that story is uh -huh. for 
the care and time it took to even make it at the time, um, which I, I watched, I, I grew up in Orange County and I remember our neighbor uh, was working on the film at the time. And so for Halloween, they had a bunch of props out. Nice. And oh, that's um, amazing. It was so cool. But they even have shown like, you know, how much care it took to just move these little claymation. I, I just, I love the story of it. And I know the funny thing is, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas people. Like they're, they have like a whole cult to them. Oh, yeah. It's not just Hot Topic, although that's a big part of it. Hot Topic is all about that Nightmare Before Christmas life. But I was surprised to find it nowhere on any of the lists. Yeah. I guess I, I grew up with a different respect for it where I just think that it is so... I don't know. I just, I felt like there was nothing out that was quite like it and nothing else that has really come after it. I know even the other films that he's done, like that are, that quite feel like nightmare before Christmas. Mm -hmm. So that is my gripe. I really was surprised. Yeah. It's, um, it's not on the animation list, but this is a great or any list. And that's a great, um, uh, preview because I actually just sat down with Hector, Hector Navarro uh -huh. and he, I didn't know this, but he has a degree in animation. Oh, okay. And he yeah. like that, that's his, that's like his first love is, yeah. is animation. And, um, and you know, after that episode is going to come out soon, mine talk with him and he picked an animated movie oh, Okay, and he picked Snow White. Oh, which I was okay. shocked by. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that being said, um, so is it the innovation and the originality that yes. resonates with you? Or like, is it part of the story? Because that, I'll tell you this. I grew up um, of that time period. I saw it in the theater. I remember kind of being like, this looks cool, but I don't like the story. Really? I never, but it, but that, but I'm in the minority. I'm in the minority in that I didn't like Jack Skellington. I thought he was a dick. <laughs> I had the biggest crush on him, which was so weird, Clark, because everyone had a crush on Prince Eric and Aladdin because they're so super smooth and suave. And I had a crush on a dead claymation figure. I love that, I had though. a crush because it was his voice, dude. Chris like, Sarandon. Oh, yeah. Those, and then... Um, Prince Humperdinck. Yes, with, with Danny Elfman also doing the, the, singing. the singing voices, yeah. which I was surprised that those... I didn't know about that until recently, that they were two different people. Um, yeah, I just was like... I thought he was... I had a crush on him, and it's so super weird. I also had a crush on Max from Goofy Movie and Simba, but um, I, I'm like, I probably should have him on actual people like Jonathan Taylor Thomas, <laughs> like everyone else did when, when I was growing up. Um, but yeah, the story of it. And the thing is, is that Tim Burton has been approached about cause Disney wanted to do another one, uh -huh. of course. And he was like, I just don't think there should. And I was thinking about it. It was like, yeah, but having Jack in like the Thanksgiving world or whatever, like it just doesn't fit the same way this does. And it's perfectly wrapped up. It's a perfect story of this, this character who discovers another world that's essentially good versus evil. You know, the, the scene, the Halloween, which I love, and then seeing this purity of Christmas and, and then kind of being like, I mean, in the end, sometimes people have been like, okay, so you should like stick to your stay in your lane type of thing. And I'm like, no, but, but, um, I think, I think that it wouldn't work having a sequel. I just don't know what you would do with it. Well, and I think you're right because at the end of the day, what makes Nightmare Before Christmas interesting is that in culture, in our American culture, there are Halloween people and there are Christmas, Christmas people. people. You know what sure. I mean? And so it's night like, and day. It's like morning people and night people. That's right. Yes. <laughs> and so it's not like I'm a Fourth of July person. I'm a Thanksgiving person. It's like that's no. Not Clark, have you met Thanksgiving people? I love Thanksgiving. Oh God, I don't. I don't know why I don't like. But it. there's no inherent rivalries. Oh right, right, that, right. You get what I mean? We don't consider you guys. <laughs> yeah. How I'm a Halloween person. If you can't tell. And, and for Thanksgiving people, we like, don't even think of them. Like, but I'm one of those people. I made a joke when it was November 1st, you know, those jokes where it was like me on October 31st and me on November 1st. Yes. And my screen was like, you know, Jack Skellington, Halloween, and then Jack Skellington Christmas. Cause yeah. I don't even consider November. That's so November funny. for me is Christmas Eve, like the month, oh you God. know, it's just, I'm just like, yeah, let's just get to the next big, huge holiday. That's fun. Um, you know, I don't even November to me is just like, yeah, a nap in between those two, you know, Okay, here's my pitch for the Nightmare Before Christmas.
Christmas sequel. Okay. Valentine's Day. I could see that. I could because, see that. Because they do have elements of love, you know, um, with Sally and Jack. And Cupid and St. Valentine. Yeah. You know, like you could you could do some weird stuff and I, fun I stuff I feel with like that. he's probably learned his lesson. So what if it were people coming into Halloween Town? Although we've explored much of Halloween Town. Again, the animation with it was so creative and, and these monsters and characters and and the whole kidnapping Santa Claus and him becoming Santa Claus. I just loved the soundtrack. I mean, I listen, it's on my phone. I yeah. listen to it when it's not Halloween, it's which is great. weird and I probably should stop. But um, <laughs> it's like people that listen to Christmas Halloween music. Halloween year round. It's Halloween year round in my mind, in my head, and in my house, which is covered with, with horror things. Um, and I'm sure in Tim Burton's as well. I, I, I will tell you that my boyfriend walked into uh, my apartment after right around Halloween after I had decorated and I was like, uh, and he, I was like, yeah, I got ready for Halloween. He was like, oh, what's different? Oh, that's <laughs> like, so funny. He's like, there's, there's usually a lot of Halloween stuff, huh? In college, I did the same thing, but I also had this like this black glitter skull that I like had in my room. And yeah, I'm sure me too. the sorority girls that were with me were like, okay, she's, okay, she's different. Try um, being a sorority girl and being a Halloween yeah, person, mm -hmm. which I I was am. for a little bit. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I was surprised to not see this on there. To me, this is because I knew when I picked Beetlejuice, which was on there, I'm like, I'm going to segue this to talk about Nightmare Before Christmas, which is one of my absolute favorite films. So I really, I got to see the last time that they were at the Hollywood Bowl, which was last year uh -huh. with uh, Danny Elfman. He also played songs from Oingo Boingo. Yes. <laughs> so, but they brought out um, Paul Rubin and, and uh, Catherine O'Hara and like everybody came That's out and so it was cool so that they were all there fun but it is interesting to me to run across I guess it's so weird I don't know do you ever have a film that like it's so respected and revered for you that you're like yeah of course it's the greatest and you run across people that it's just they just don't have the same yeah feeling? yeah I mean I don't un there's a lot of like genre stuff that it frustrates me that it hasn't crossed over into mainstream respect oh okay so like like Nightmare Before Christmas is a commercial success yes. right like yeah. we know it's it's everywhere around, right you know we know that but like but what you're saying is like that you feel like it is an incredible film and needs yeah. to be revered and treated as such and especially in animation yeah Again, like yeah especially when you're putting it up against the other the other movies in animation yes. you know that did make it on which I understand were also iconic for their time but I still feel like this was as well yeah and I, I just pulled up the and I pulled up the quick animation list which is all Disney but Shrek exactly <laughs> yeah and it's all and you know at the end of the day it's they, all child it's all childlike, mm -hmm. meaning it's it's all animation that's made specifically for children or yeah. small children. Um, and look, and again, like Hector and I just got into this and it, this is actually a great little preview for the Hector episode. But like we were talking about how, yes, obviously animation can be for children, mm -hmm. but there's so much else there's so much that can be done with the medium right and there's so many different types of films and I think that's what you're getting at and I agree with you like Nightmare Before Christmas is a landmark animated film right and it's a different kind of animation and it's a different tone and for it's animation creepy weird twisted exactly one. and and the story itself of like it is to me kind of original of a, of a skeleton who's essentially like a grim reaper-esque yes. character who doesn't want to do this anymore like that to me is interesting all right my friend anything else you want to add before we go um no i just you know i if they ever want to add nightmare before christmas on there i'm sure if you actually if you're a nightmare before christmas person please like tweet at me because i want to know that i'm not the only one but i have shown it to friends that i guess didn't grow up with it and it just doesn't resonate the same way with them uh-huh I think that's Maybe because it was magical to me as a child. Yeah, I think that's what's really crazy about like you know I, I, I you know I, similarly it frustrates me when adults watch Labyrinth and they're like this is stupid and I'm like you have to have some respect for you watching it now as opposed to when it came out. Yeah, and also you have to sort of like for me if someone showed me a movie like Labyrinth now that I had never seen I would be like how have I never seen this? Right. This is the greatest right. thing I've ever yeah. seen. Like, this is insane. You're telling me that David Bowie and Jennifer Connelly <laughs> are going to dance around yeah. in a magical place with puppets and, like, fantasy, and it's just like... 
so my reaction, so, so to your point, like my reaction is so the opposite. It's like, wow, if you had shown me this thing now, I would lose my mind and be like, right. oh my God, I have to watch more. So, but I will say that that is the trick because, you know, I could see how, but then again, I feel like if I were a grown up and I watched it, I don't know. It's well, this hard. is how I felt. Um, just to quickly wrap this up. This is how I felt about Gremlins is that I yes. didn't see it until I was older. But I respected it. It didn't have the same effect for me. And it probably never will as Gremlins people. Yes, you know? of course. <laughs> um, and uh, as Gremlin heads. Um, <laughs> and it did, but I respect it. That's the thing. I could watch it and understand. I get it. I get when this came out that this was a big deal. Yeah. I get that it developed a cult following. I get even having these little creatures and, 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 um, this cost like these you know I, the animatronics and everything like I get that that's a big deal and I can watch it looking back and respect it and respect my friends that love it knowing that I'm never gonna feel that way mm -hmm. you know of but course. I can't I'm not one of those people that's like mm, it didn't hold up you know yeah. I'm like yeah it doesn't hold up for you now like you cynical whatever like you've seen a billion movies by now and 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 the uh animatronics and and animation and storytelling and everything has advanced since then um also it's just really funny that like scene with her talking about her dad. I mean, there's several things about that movie that um, her, him coming down the chimney, which I was like, what in the world watching it now? Cause I've, I only saw it like two years ago Oh, where I was like, Whoa, gremlins. Yeah. Yeah. Gremlins is Joe Dante is Joe Dante is an edgy man. Yeah. I was like, yeah, wow. They, they were, okay. they were doing some stuff. The whole chorus scene. I just, that to me is where it's like, mm, that's, campy and and but i respect it yeah i don't need any uh gremlins people writing me no so anyways, no yeah. of its time fair <laughs> enough thank you for having me of on though of course thank you for doing it have it i hope you enjoyed our conversation of all things tim burton including a nightmare before christmas which i think danny really wanted to talk about <laughs> and uh so i'm glad that it worked out and um as i previewed in this episode we have an episode coming with uh hector navarro that i am super excited about i think you guys are going to love that one um so go ahead if you haven't already subscribe to the show uh, and if you can rate and review as always we will be back on thursday with our Patreon exclusive mini that is available to $5 contributors or higher. Um, so if you want to check that out, head on over to Patreon and see what we got going on. In the meantime, have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye.